0: Well, having heard uh, in the word and in song about what happened that silent night, I hope that you were able to hear things uh, this evening that maybe you had never known, or maybe you had forgotten, and you were reminded of them again tonight. As we consider um, the mystery of the Incarnation. And as we do so, let us take a look at um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. A little different reading for this evening, but... The image of the invisible God. You think about just that phrase. It's that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. What does that mean? Well, if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, do you remember why people were created? All the way back in Genesis chapter 1, because God created them, people in his image, right? Right? that we were created in his image, that we were to be the ones who are to reflect who God is into the whole rest of his creation. You want to know what God is like? Look at people. That sounds good, right? Now have a look around. How are we doing? (laughs) You want to know what God is like? Take a look at people. Are we displaying what God is like? Very well. Unfortunately, not so much. And yet, that is what we're still doing. We are still those who are the images, we've been created in the image of God, and so what we do does declare who God is. It's unfortunately, though, the problem is, sometimes we are declaring by our lives rightly who God is, and other times we're declaring not rightly who God is. This is a problem. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is a big problem. It's a problem that is so big that it actually takes God to do something about it. And so uh, when we come to Jesus, this is what we see. We see the one who is, uh, <laughs> it says, In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. This is who Jesus is. And yet, he comes and is born as a baby, and grows up as a man, and dies on our behalf. Why? Because he is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. The one who is the true person, the one who lives like we are all supposed to live in right relationship with God all the way through. So we have this, we uh, tend to have this view that what's... There's this darkness that needs to be overcome, right? We hold up our candles at the end of the service tonight as a, uh, as a symbol of the light that comes into the world. The darkness does not overcome it. The darkness is not understood it. What is the darkness? We have this view that the darkness is the bad things that we do, or the bad things other people do. And that's what Jesus has come to overcome, and that is a part of it. It is. It's a big part. But there's a lot more than just that. Uh, Because part of the darkness also is the blinding effect that it has. The way that when there is darkness, we can't see. So what is it we can't see? We can't see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ. We can't see that God really is with us. We can't see that he really is for us. We can't see that he is actually working in this world and in our lives to accomplish his purposes. And so we go about living our lives as though Jesus never came. Here's what I mean by that. What happens when the relationship that is good gets broken. Someone talks behind your back and you go, ah, find out about that. Now I'm upset. What do we do? We've got a relational break. What do we do? We write them off forever. (laughs) Right? And we just continue to separate ourselves. And so we have relationships that just break down and break down. We're like, well, we'll find other people. And eventually we just kind of run out of people to find. And we end up in a world of 8 billion people alone as we continue to cut ourselves off from one person after another after another. Because part of the darkness is that it blinds us to the reconciliation that Jesus came to bring. Reconciliation between us and God, reconciliation between us and each other. And so we think that when we have messed up a relationship with a person, we've messed it up forever. We think that when we've messed up our relationship with God, we've messed it up forever. But Christmas says no. But that's not what it is. The way that, um, the way that C.S. Lewis, uh, in the book The Great Divorce... Uh, Depicts what hell is like. And this is, again, a really uh, image-heavy sort of book. And he says, you know, the whole thing's a dream. I'm not saying this is how it is. But the way he depicts it is as people who have continually moved farther and farther away from each other, every time they get mad about something, they just keep moving farther and farther away until eventually they are light years away from each other, completely cut off, completely alone. That's how he describes hell. And, yeah, maybe that's not, you know, technically accurate for what it is, but I think it's a pretty helpful uh, depiction in thinking about um, what sort of our natural habits are, our natural instincts, versus what we see uh, going on throughout the Bible of what God is trying to do to restore the broken relationships into right relationships. If you are a parent with little kids or have ever been a parent with little kids, you can imagine, you have uh, kids that are fighting with each other. Even, and especially, when there is sort of this cold war that's going on between them. They've gotten mad, and now they're just not talking. As a parent... That breaks your heart. And why does it break your heart? Because you know that they would enjoy and they would benefit so much more from a healed relationship than they would from nursing a grudge. But how do you help them see it? Because doesn't it feel good to nurse a grudge <laughs> in the short term? And somebody says, no, 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 you don't want to go that route. You want to work on healing this relationship. And you're like, oh, no, I don't. <sighs> so what do you do? Well, One thing you may have noticed if you've ever watched people who are really good at working with little kids is there's a lot of lowering. You ever notice this? Lowering their voices when they might feel like screaming. Lowering their bodies when they might feel like standing. I'll tell you, the the older I get, the harder it is to get up and down off the floor. (laughs) But you watch people, adults who don't necessarily have an easy time getting up and down off the floor, who will get down onto the floor because that's where the kids are in humility, entering their world. Why do they do it? Because it's entering the space and the world of a child that enables this relational trust. It is what opens eyes that are otherwise blind, and ears that are otherwise deaf to adults. If you are familiar with Charlie Brown cartoons, you know what adults sound like to kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's it not getting through (laughs) unless the adult enters into the world and the space of a child and so when we look at this miracle of the incarnation this word becoming flesh the invisible God becoming visible what are we seeing? We are seeing the one whose status and place is so far above us, bending down so low, getting down to our level, walking a mile in our shoes, not just so that he would know what life is like for us, although that's certainly part of it, but so we would be able to see and hear what he keeps telling us about what it means to be truly human as we live lives loving God and one another. And so as he has humbled himself and in humility entered our world to bring about that reconciliation as once you were alienated from God were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. As he has done this for us. uh, He has also called us to follow him. I think part of what that means is that we look at the brokenness of the world not just as a big problem. We look at the brokenness in the relationships that we have or used to have. We have to ask ourselves, how can we follow Jesus in humbling ourselves, entering the world of those with whom we ought to be reconciled? How can we end the cold wars we're a part of and value healed relationships? More than nursing grudges. And lastly, how can we do this like Jesus did, where we don't wait for the other person to go first? If Jesus waits for us to get everything right before he comes, he never comes. we understand this it is while we were still enemies that Christ died for us it's while we were still alienated from God that he comes to us in humility entering our world showing us that God is gracious, compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and calling us to follow him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we do. We thank you for your word which you have given to us. We thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself in all of creation. but we can learn about your greatness from just looking um, at what you have made. But God, we thank you that you give us more than that. We thank you that you have given us um, the scripture itself. And every book from Genesis to Revelation shows us even more clearly than we can learn in creation about who you are. The love that you have for us what you have done to bring about true reconciliation and God we thank you most of all for Jesus we thank you that in him we can see most clearly who you are and what you have done to heal the brokenness and the relationship between us and you we pray that you would help us as we consider your love for us to be those who respond in gratitude and respond in lives of thanksgiving that the love that you have for us would overflow that as we live out of the love you have for us we would more and more be those are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. That we would reflect you well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.